Welcome to Bioinnovator Spotlight at Life Science Org, where we listen to the life science leaders of tomorrow tell their story and discuss their challenges as founders and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, scientist-turned-communicator, Dr. David Kirk. Let's meet today's founder. I'm joined this week by Julia Eschenbrenner, CEO of Porus, based in Potsdam, Germany, and a spin-out of Charité University Hospital in Berlin. Julia, thank you for joining me. Good morning. Thank you very much for inviting. Please, Julia, tell me a little bit about your background and how you became interested in life science. Um, well, interested in life science, I've always been interested in life sciences since I come mm. from a, um, a family of doctors, medical doctors, oh, wow. actually. So that was kind of uh, given to me into the cradle. Um, but it's also something that I just really like. I love basically everything about biological systems and how they develop and what kind of qualities they develop and how they can adapt. So the whole area is fascinating to me, but especially the focus on the, in the medical field and the application to patients, that's something very close to my heart. Mm. And um, yeah, and I had the problem of never really knowing uh, which exact area to go to. So I finally decided to opt for something very, um, very broad. So I trained first as an engineer Mm. and continued then in biotechnological engineering because it just gives yeah a very broad, broad background that can be used in many fields <clears throat> yeah and then later i actually moved to england and okay. had my first work experience there at a startup company cambridge antibody technology which oh, cool. at that time was rapidly expanding so basically just leaving the early phase and moving into a larger phase. A very exciting time and a very exciting mm. technology about the um, monoclonal antibody field. Yeah. Yeah, so that was great. And with that in my backpack, I returned back to Germany and worked with Schering, which is now Bayer, mm. um, and also in the monoclonal antibody field. And what was fascinating there is uh, that was um, something that is already a bit towards my current um, current field, because at that time we tried to develop monoclonal antibody for in vivo imaging by ultrasound technology. In the end, mm. it never worked out, but it was a very, <laughs> very exciting phase and very, um, very interdisciplinary where I learned a lot um, from from all fields. And most importantly, I learned a lot how to communicate with with mm. people from very different backgrounds and um, what's important to them in their field. So that was a challenge and exciting. And I continued and uh, did my PhD actually during that time as well. Um, and you know, the focus on biomarkers in oncology had to do with monoclonal antibodies as well, but it became a very um, a field in its own, also with very useful experiences. And then after a family break, I mm. decided to join Ascenion, which is a technology transfer organization um, specialized in the life science area here in Germany, working together with uh, the major um, um, life science institutes that are spread out over Germany and in the meantime also in other countries. And that was a, an extremely uh, fascinating experience because um, what, what we do there is basically we we join inventors even before they become inventors. So scientists, when they have an idea, 
we join them, we coach them, we discuss with them, what are you working on? What kind of innovation do you see? How can we work out whether that's an innovation that can might eventually turn into a product? What do we need to turn it into a product? But in a very, very early setting and very academic field. And then from that early process on, we take it into the next stage, with, which is uh, securing IP, so building up patent applications or yeah. anything else that is required for that, and then trying to build the basis for um, for a real product, which is then either developed by a licensing partner or by a startup. Mm. And in that way, I also already got got into contact with a lot of um, startup initiatives and startup pre preparations, and uh, gained quite quite some insight there. And then. Corona came, a time where everybody of us basically had time to think about what's important in their life and maybe what what have I not yet done. And for me, it was definitely the aspect of um, of eventually going into a startup myself. Yeah. Um, that has it's interesting because it's a startup, but it's also personally interesting for me because I I just enjoy small organizations. Yeah. I do not feel at home in large organizations. I had my experiences there and I just know my places in small organizations where I and the people that I like and work with, we can actually define how we work together and in what manners we are working together. Mm -hmm. So that's where I feel at home and that's why this is my way. Yeah. And then um, um, I was thinking, how, how do I? How do I manage that? How do I get this done? And I thought that I would just um, start out as a freelancer um, offering advice to scientists that are maybe interested in going into a startup direction um, and yeah, basically just offering myself on the market mm. kind of that. And then as it always goes, ways are different than you plan. It always comes differently. Um, I got into contact back with one of the teams that I had already worked with during the Asthenian time. Yeah. And actually one of my most favorite projects where I had been involved in what I just described in this time around the invention area. Yeah. And uh, there was definitely need for this team, by then already a startup, um, to, yeah, to get capacity and personal power into the team. And I joined them in summer and this has now developed into the interim CEO position, and I'm very happy to be with this team and support it. And for me, it feels like coming home in a lot of ways because I know this project by heart. And at the same time, it's a very new challenge at the room stage. Um, what field is it that you're focusing on and what is the major unmet challenge that the company deals with? Poros is actually um, active in the field of diagnostic um, diagnostic for osteoporosis and other bone health related diseases. So what at the core is um, an invention which has come out of the Charité by Professor Cairon. And it's a, a, an ultrasound method of listening in to the bone surface and get to know um, more about the bone health. And the way this is done is um, that microstructure parameters of the bone surface are being evaluated by ultrasound. So based one image that I like to imagine here is um, we all know that our bones are constantly regrown and destabilized at the same time. And so the surfaces uh, has a lot of pores and they are filled up and they are 
um, by, by, the, by the cells that build up the bones and they're enlarged by the cells that um, destabilize um, the bone ma matter. Mm. And But it's an equilibrium. And once this equilibrium is not in place anymore, or once it gets disturbed, the first sign you can see is that the pore size distribution is changing. Now you can kind of imagine those like, uh, uh, like pores that are close to each other all of a sudden, they're not really separated anymore, but they melt into each other from the image, not in real case, but from the image. And then you have larger pores. And this you can see in the pore size distribution. There are other microstructure parameters that can also be measured by ultrasound. And uh, we integrate them into a multifactorial index that gives back um, an answer or an indication about the status of bone health. And what we do actually here is really at it's at um, at a very high resolution and at a very high sensitivity. We are able to measure um, at least comparable as the best um, high resolution uh, CT instruments currently. Mm -hmm. And these are only research instruments; they are not used for current diagnostic. But yeah. we are really able to achieve this kind of um, um, sensitivity. And we are far better than the current gold standard that is used in diagnostics out there, which is the DEXA bone mineral density measurement, mm. which is the current standard, but it has a lot of faults. One of them is that's associated with radiation. The other one is that it doesn't work for everybody. Mm. And so a lot of people actually missed out, uh, even though they are osteoporotic or, oste wow. or have osteopenia. And so we have two goals. One is, um, make it better than it is currently so mm. we can offer better diagnostic possibilities but the, the vision or the second goal is that we really want to enable early diagnostic and by that we mean diagnostics so early that we can really prevent osteoporosis wow. so that we are we shift basically from a treatment of osteoporosis into the prevention of osteoporosis um and yeah just a pure examples what that could be is uh some of those uh, sound advices go out, uh, exercise more, get some more fresh air is one simple advice. Take yeah. care of your nutrition is another one. If it's a bit uh, tougher than um, supplement with vitamin D, for example, for a while, or do a short-term treatment with some, with some kind of suitable medication, suitable to the stage, for example. So these would be advices that could then be given and actually initiated. And, um, and if, if it's, done this early the hope is that we don't really develop osteoporosis yeah. at all because that's it's a, you can maybe compare osteoporosis a little a little bit to overweight and um and um what happens there yes mm. you know osteoporosis is it's not really a disease that you can feel it's more of a condition and it's the um and the consequences of osteoporosis are the ones that we feel as patients yeah most one one example is most patients are diagnosed for osteoporosis when they have already broken a bone due to osteoporosis. Yeah. So that's the stage of current diagnostics. And obviously broken bones that lead to um, a lot of disabilities and uh, rehabilitation measurements and loss of life quality, especially for the older people. So it's where it moves to. That's that what makes osteoporosis um, such a... Um, um, yeah, burden for healthcare and healthcare systems. Mm -hmm. And if we can actually act early on, then 
we might or we are able to delay the onset or even avoid the onset of it and basically avoid all of these consequences in old age. Yeah. And it sounds like getting it as that equilibrium kind of comes out of balance, that will be the magic, the magic time just before you break a bone, you know, that's, because that's how it, uh, well, certainly has happened in, in, in my family. You know, I think everybody has an elderly relative that is suffering from uh, Mm -hmm. maybe something similar or definitely osteoporosis in, in, in my family's case, but it's, you know, and it takes so long. I think, if you've never broken a bone, you've no idea how long it takes to heal. I, I broke my uh, elbow earlier this year. It took three months before it was fully healed. And that's, with, well, okay, I, I like to presume I'm healthy, but, you know, I think that's a normal, <laughs> that's a normal healing period. But um, yeah, gosh, that, that's amazing. Um, tell me as well, what, now we've talked about the biggest challenge for Porus. What is the biggest challenge for you as a CEO right now? Well, I guess the biggest challenge at the moment is uh, due to the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm jumping into right, uh, right the middle of activities. So there's just mm-hmm. very much going on in parallel in um, all fields of activities, basically, and um, it's very interesting because you can see it all at once. But I do confess it's also a challenge to, um, yeah, to, to be able to manage it all at once. Yeah. Um, but it's, um, it's interesting and the positive thing about the CEO is that most of the deadlines you can actually set and also most of the, um, yeah, the famous, famous 80, 20, uh, rule, you can actually also say, okay, this, this is enough for the moment. And later on, we are going to go deeper into it and better it, but let's go first with, um, with, um, yeah with a pragmatic way of of being able to move forward. Yeah. You might be the first person who's actually mentioned the 80-20 rule on the podcast. So maybe you can explain (laughs) it a little bit. (laughs) Well, the 80-20 rule is my cure to perfectionism because I'm I'm from background. Yes, I I like to do things right and do do them very correctly. But uh, that's in... That's just something that you... That's not pragmatic and doesn't uh, live up to real life. And... So even a perfectionist as me has to learn that 80% is not only enough, but it's healthy because that's the way, that's the way you can actually move things forward and, um, and not spend too much of your own energies, but also of the energies of the project into it. So basically it means 80-20 um, rule for me in practical life. It means um, if I get 80% done in 20% of my, um, my energy time, then that's perfect and I'm happy and I don't need 100% of perfection. And then I have 80% of my time, my energy left over for other things that are also important. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a good rule to live by. I think I, I certainly also suffer from perfectionism. Uh, <laughs> um, and it, it doesn't get you as far as you would hope, I think, especially when nope. I find in the team situation, because you have so much input from other people, uh, maybe it's a little different for you as the CEO because you're the person who gets to generally sign off on everything. But when I'm working with uh, clients or with teams, because everybody will have a different view of perfection, and yeah. the perfection I aim for is not necessarily yeah. perfection in reality. That's actually an interesting perspective. Yeah. Our, um, um, whether we call it team processes or democratic processes, they automatically lead to something like an 
because we have to compromise. <laughs> we have to learn how the well, we not only to it's not we have to learn. I mean, this is a, this is a positive thing that we we actually can uh, um, learn how other how our team partners are thinking, what what they prioritize due to their different backgrounds and their prior experiences, and it actually enriches team teamwork. But in the sum, it's yeah, it's another example for the eighty percent that I might be better than the hundred percent. Yeah. Exactly. Um, finally, the last thing I'd like to ask you is: Do you have a book uh, or maybe a documentary, something that has made an impact on you in your career or in your life that you would like to share with other founders and CEOs? Um, yes, um, I've I've read one book during uh, during my Corona break, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it really made me think about a lot of. Um, a lot of issues, and I have the German translation here. It's um, it up here. It's James James Sussman or Sutzman. Mm-hmm. In German, it's called "Sie nannten es Arbeit." Um, in English, it's a hist- work, a history of how we spend our time. Okay. Interesting. And it's a great. It's uh, it's written by um, an, uh, a historian, and he takes a look at work what has work been throughout human ages from the very beginning of uh, when we were still in the stone ages up to <laughs> up to now and um it even has um i said that i'm coming from an engineering background as well it even has uh, the thermodynamics definitions of work in there and oh, reflects wow. on how do we integrate them into our human work and um it's it's very interesting and it's very good for anybody that wants to reflect on um, why do we actually work and how much energy do we want to put in mm. the work that we call work and how much energy do we want to put in the work that is at at our heart basically which mm. which is also work yeah work is um, simple definition is here work is anything that puts things in order. So whether that is the work that we are being paid for or other work, and um, it's yeah, it's a very great book to read at slow bits and to think about. Yeah. Oh. And I have another advice or book that I also would like to read, and it's not one book. It's basically all the quotes of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, ah. Supreme Court Justice, and she's an awesome woman. Has and it's a it's a yeah, it's a born of wisdom, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's um, a so fantastic quotes, recommendation. Especially for, you know, just one quote for the week or something like that. <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah. Oh, that's a great recommendation. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you very much for the invitation. And we'll hope to catch up with you again in the future. Best of luck with Porus. Are you a life science CEO in Europe? Go to lifescienceorg.com where you can connect, share, and engage with a community of your peers. We have a platform just for early-stage founders, too. You can join there at nextgen.lifescienceorg.com.